Hey there, this is the Ramble Transmissions Podcast, episode 006A, and I am your host, Kevin Seconds. Welcome to the episode. I'm happy you're here, I'm happy you're listening, I'm happy you're watching, and I'm just happy right now. Things are good. I just did a, uh, a cool interview uh, for a recording magazine involving the uh, Walk Together, Rock Together uh, reissue. A couple of dear friends were involved. I'm not going to give it away. I'm not going to. I'm, I'm teasing you is what I'm doing, okay? You'll know when, when you're supposed to know. That's just the way it goes. But, um, yeah, thank you for uh, being here and, and, and giving it a, a little watch and a listen. I, um, I've been enjoying the, well, so here in California, uh, Northern California specifically, we've, we've been having some very, very, very intense winter weather. And that may not be a big thing for those of you outside of where I'm at. But um, being that we always seem to need more um, uh, rain uh, for important reasons, uh, we've had a good amount. I I don't know uh, specifically how much rain we've gotten, but we've gotten a lot. And we're, we're to a point where we've there have been flood warnings and that kind of stuff. So um, I've been kind of enjoying it. I, I mean, I could I could do without the wind a little bit. I think the wind, having the wind, the cold, and the rain, uh, it kind of sucks a little bit. But um, I, I'm, I've been I've been dealing the, the dealing with the, the wintry uh, thing, and I'm I'm kind of into it. Um, but uh, nothing crazy has been going on other than artwork and just um, working on some music and doing some fun side things uh, in between other fun side things, I guess. I don't know. I, my life is like a, a series of just a bunch of fun side things. I think I, I um, resigned to that reality a long time ago where I'm not the guy that is just the singer of a band. I'm not the guy that's just like the guy that paints. I'm not the guy that just goes to work nine to five every day. I kind of like to do a little bit of everything. I like to flit around and float around and use my hands to create a, no. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it is, it is who I am and, and what I am, I guess. And that's just the way it's going to happen to uh, have to be. Um, so I was thinking about this. For oh, also too, by the way, thank you so much uh, to those of you who have uh, ch- checked in with me and uh, given me words of uh, kindness and encouragement, and you've expressed a um, uh, that you've liked you, you're, you're digging this podcast so far, and uh, and your excitement for the upcoming podcast, the Please Unfriend Me Now podcast, which will make its debut. Finger crossed. Uh, next in the next few days, really. Uh, my birthday is March 24th. Um, it's the 22nd now. So, in you know, f- theoretically, the the first episode will come out on the 24th. Now, here's the thing, and I'm just going to say this now because it's the only way that I can. It's it's the easiest way at this point for me to say it, and I won't have to go and try and post this on all my social media uh, platforms. Um, there's a very good chance that I'm pardon me, that I'm going to push the the uh, debut of the Please Unfriend Me Now podcast uh, back. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of specific reasons, and I, I don't want to go into detail because it, it's, it's just technical stuff, and, it, and it, re- it really requires just making a couple of changes on already edited and sweated over episodes. Um, I've, I've, I'm very, very fortunate to have the episodes recorded that I have. I think I've got 12 of them recorded, which is for me is a pretty good deal because I thought I would maybe 
chicken out or peter out after like two. I thought, oh, this is too much work. But to be honest, it's been great because the the folks that I've spoken with and and and, and you know exchanged. Uh, you know, I don't, I hate calling it an interview because I don't feel like I'm really, I mean, I guess I am sort of interviewing people, but it's, it's, it's very conversational and it's with people that I, uh, like a lot and, and, or respect a great deal and, um, and, you know, admire in a way just for whatever inspiration they've provided for, to me. So, uh, it becomes very conf- uh, confrontational, and we, we fight on these uh, these episodes. No, it's become very um, um, conversational, and and that's just where I'm at. It's how I want it to be. So, um, I want it to be special. I want it to be good. I want it to be ready, and I want everybody involved to be happy with their episodes because you know they're going to be out there and they're going to reflect, um, regardless of whether anybody actually listens or watches these or not. So. Uh, just a word of warning. This, uh, it's there's a. Well, who am I kidding? We're gonna push back the the uh, release date. I don't, I'm not even sure why I brought this up. I do what I always do, which is I I speak what I'm thinking, and then I'm like, you know what? Yeah. So just know that it's, I know it's not going to set the world on fire in any significant way. Um, if you've been patiently waiting for the debut of the Please Unfriend Me Now podcast, I, I apologize. Uh, I just want this to be a doozy. I really do. So. There you go. Um, I was thinking um, this podcast particularly is set up so that I can I can share things with you. You know, maybe I have something in mind. Maybe one day I want to talk about something that happened when I was, you know, uh, 15. One day I might talk to you about something that just happened last week. Um, maybe I'll just want to come on and play a song for you. Um, or, 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 or maybe I'll do an interview on here. If I, if, if I get a, uh, if I get the, the wild hair, maybe I'll just, uh, have, you know, talk to Allison, have her come in here and we'll, we'll chat we'll chit chat. Um, it's kind of an open thing and I, and I really, really enjoy that about this little podcast. Um, but I was thinking about, uh, I, I, I decided about two weeks ago to just sort of make notes of, of things that, uh, that pop up from time to time in my head and things that seem important slash entertaining to me. Um, meaning that there, there's maybe there's stories that I, I feel like I want to share with people. Maybe there's something, just, just a feeling I want to share with people that I might not feel comfortable doing it if we were sitting at a, if we were at a show together or if we were sitting across from each other at a coffee house or something. Um, and more than, more than, more than maybe you guys know, those of you who listen or watch, this is a, a vehicle for me to really try and deal with my own, uh, this is going to sound really serious and deep and I don't want it to because I'm not, I'm feeling pretty upbeat right now and happy, but it, it, you know, it's, it's a way for me to kind of navigate through my own, uh, mental health, uh, issues, you know, things that I kind of stru- struggle, uh, with every once in a while. Anxiety is a big thing in my life. Anxiety has been a thing in my life, my entire life, but I didn't understand what anxiety meant. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't really medicated for it. I wasn't really ever diagnosed, uh, 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 you know, with it until far later in my life when I was having strange, crazy episodes. And I literally had to take myself down to a, you know, a 24-hour, you know, care place and and, and say, what's going on with me? I I think I'm dying. And um, so 
talking a lot of the times, much like writing songs and painting or drawing, uh, has this effect on me that really is very helpful. And as I've said many, many times, you know, this doing a podcast years and years back grew out of me trying to talk myself out of not freaking out when I would be on a, on a, on a, on a tour by myself. I'd be doing a solo tour. I'd be by myself in a van or a rental car. And I'd have hours to, to go to the next city and, I'd, and hours to stay awake and hours to kill. And I'm not much of a, you know, I don't get on the phone and talk, you know. Um, I, there, there's a number of reasons why. Number one, my hearing is shot. Number two, um, I'm, I'm easily distracted when I'm on the phone. And even if I'm talking with my wife, Allison, or a close friend, uh, and I'm enjoying it, there's still this sense of like, I, um, you know, I really should, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not that into this. Add to it that I'm driving most of the time. And even with a headset or any, you know, with a, the speaker going through the, the car stereo or whatever, you know, it's still a distraction and, and it doesn't really help me. Um, but speaking does. And then, so I used to, for, I've got hours and hours of me just talking into a recorder, setting up a recorder, usually a phone uh, with a little lapel mic and I'm going and it's almost like an audio journal, if you will. And um, and then, and that was really kind of my um, my way of, of feeling a little normal, a little less isolated from everybody else in the world, and it really did uh, it did me well and stuff. And so I figured, well, if I can continue this on and do a podcast and, and and make it more of an entertaining thing for not just myself but for listeners and viewers, why not? Right? And look at me, look at me. I'm I'm orange and red. Uh, I noticed during this um, this interview that I just did over Zoom, I everybody looked pretty good. It was natural lighting, but I've got my room is dark, but I'm also battling the sun, the the light from the outside, which I guess I could adjust the curtains, but then it would be really dark, and then I'd have to work on my my recording studio lighting, which is what you're seeing. Not uh, 100% happy with it yet, so we'll figure it out. But anyway. I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, I'm, I'm going to go back to my youth, um, when I was, uh, let me think, I suppose I was probably 12, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to look at a, uh, I, I took notes for this particular episode because I wanted to be able to kind of really, really, really glean from, from, from notes that I've got so that I could kind of keep the timeline in order. But um, yeah. So so we're we're talking about 1971. Um, 71 was I was 10 years old, and my parents got a divorce. I'm not reading. I'm just looking at my notes here. And um, it wasn't it wasn't really traumatic for me because I wasn't terribly close to my father. I loved my father, and I believe that he loved me. But he was a working guy. He was a hard-working guy, and he and he he was uh, pretty old school. You know, he he was uh, from a generation. Uh, he he was a world World War II veteran, uh, a bit of a hero. You know, he had been uh, he had he he'd taken injuries. Uh, he had been shot a couple times. Uh, came home, shipped home, went back out, fought in the war over in Europe. And came back with medals, and but he also suffered from um, some bouts of Pete, what is what we know as PTSD. And I didn't know any of that stuff. Having a dad and a mom, my mom later on told me, gave me a little more uh, insight as to what he dealt with and and how he struggled through it. 
Um, but after that, when he came back and was just a civilian, he decided he wanted to be in law enforcement. He became a cop. And that added more stress. There were issues with that, apparently. And it, 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 he, he, wasn't, um, he was only a, 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 a cop for maybe about five years that I know of. Now, and I may be um, a little sketchy on, on the facts here because I, I, I was very young and wasn't exactly paying attention because I thought, of course, you know, I'm going to have a mom and dad for the rest of my life. Um, so when my parents, when my mom wanted to divorce from my dad, um, it was it was traumatic uh, on his end. He, w- he didn't want the marriage to end. He didn't want his family to break up. You know, he had a beautiful wife, three growing kids. And I do believe my dad loved us and, and wanted to be in our lives. But for whatever reason, my mom, and she, we talked about it later in years, but she was just too young um she loved us she wanted to be our mom she wanted us she wanted us to be in her uh in her care but she just didn't want to be married and that's what happened they divorced and we he he eventually went off and and moved back to the midwest which is where he grew up born and raised started a new family and my mom just on her own uh took over and basically became our 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 mom and dad if you will and that kind of pushed me me being the oldest um in the family um it sort of pushed me into this role of being the little man of the family you know like uh, whatever i could do to help my mom uh just raise us i did you know there wasn't much i could do um when at this point but um so yeah i'm 10 years old uh, about 1971, I'm in the fifth grade at this point in school, and I had a couple friends. I talked earlier in, in another episode about um, when I was in grade school and I was, uh, uh, what's the word, prospected to be in a in a in a, uh, a kid uh, street gang. Um, so this is the same around the same a little little just after uh, same school, but. Um, we had moved into some apartments, um, some low-income apartments, affordable apartment complexes, and uh, we're doing, you know, we're doing okay. My mom had had a part-time job. She's working at a restaurant. She would work at night, and when I came home, I would sort of be the caretaker. I would have to watch my brother and sister, um... These days, I guess that would be, um, who knows what that would be considered. My mom might have gotten arrested for abandonment. I don't even know. But back then, if you had one parent and they had to work, which they did, um, whoever, uh, whatever you could do, if you had a friend, an old adult friend who could watch your kids, that was great. But we, at that point, really, we really kind of didn't. So I'd get home from school. Sometimes I'd pick my brother and sister up, just walk, we'd walk home, and then we'd just hang out at the house and watch TV and do whatever the kids do. Um, at that time, we had become friends with a family that lived in a house directly behind us. We lived in an apartment complex, a little two-bedroom apartment, and sort of on the same street, there was a house behind us with a really nice, I mean, a really big house with a huge front yard, huge backyard with a big oak tree, and it was the it belonged to a guy who was a divorcee, di- divorcee, is that how you say it? Um, and he, he, and he had 10 kids, 10 kids. Uh, I believe he was still on good terms with his, ex- his then ex-wife. 
some of the kids would stay with her during the week. Some of the other kids would stay with him, and they kind of, I think they kind of bounce back and forth. And it was an interesting dynamic because I, I'm not sh- exactly sure how we became friends with them. I want to say that maybe I, I had a friend um, in the family. I'm, I'm going to just, I'll use his name, but I'm, I'm going to try to avoid using anybody else's name. Not that it's a b- big thing because some of these people are no longer with us. I don't believe I'm going to say anything that's going to incriminate anybody. P- perhaps I will, and I hope not, and I might edit this out later. But I had a friend who was just a little o- older than me uh, named Jackie who was one of the younger kids in the family. Like I said, there's 10 kids, and I'm going to guess at the age, I want to say maybe from the youngest was maybe five, four or five, and then the oldest was probably in their early 20s, uh, these 10 kids. And they were always around. You know, we I got to know all of these. You know, there was some boys, some girls. Everybody was kind of, we all kind of knew each other. Uh, at some point, my mom began dating the the dad, the father, the, the the father of the family. Now, the father was a, I believe he was a a, a contractor. I think he helped build houses and, and whatnot. Uh, he was kind of a, a tough guy, rugged guy you know, a uh, very strong and kind of gruff and he, and he, and he was, he was really funny. Um, he always built things. I think they, maybe one of the older boys, uh, guys had a, was into bikes. I want to say that they might've even raced bikes like motocross. One of them had a Harley Davidson. I think one of the early, earliest, my earliest memories of knowing somebody with a Harley Davidson definitely had to do with this family. And it was kind of fun. It was also, a, there was also a sense that we sort of were, were looked over from this, you know, by this family. Um, the, the dad liked my mom a lot. He had a, uh, an old uh, a vet, you know, a Corvette. He would take us on little rides, you know, he'd, he'd let us get in the car and he'd, he'd go fast. And he, they had a bunch of different cars and trucks and, and they, they, they kind of just eventually sort of, brought us into the family so because we lived so close close we would often just go over to their house for dinners and barbecues and we'd go play in their backyard and they had a tree fort uh, as did everybody back then in the, in the 70s and it was a kind of a cool thing now i will say that there was always a sense this sort of i don't know i don't, I don't know what the word is i don't want to say foreboding but there was this kind of a strange scent sense of something scary involving the family and i don't know not not necessarily a criminal thing maybe a little bit of a criminal element i don't know i later later realized that the father was a he he grew pot and it, they sold pot and i didn't have much experience at that at that point in, in of knowing anybody who smoked pot certainly i wasn't i was a pretty straight kid i didn't wasn't really interested. I didn't know enough at the t- time. I didn't know enough cool people um, who did that. To I was too young, you know. Ne- very sh- shortly after, I would start to understand it a little bit better. But my initial experiences into even having a concept uh, of what marijuana was or drugs were or even booze uh, had a lot to do with this family. And I'll never forget going over to the house and I would smell this smell that I didn't quite know. It was kind of a, it wasn't cigarettes. It wasn't somebody smoking a pipe. Um, maybe I, I thought it was, you know, somebody burning incense or something, sage or something. But I never quite knew what it was. 
I also one day it was we we were at the house and I don't know what we were doing. I think I want to say it was a Sunday afternoon and we were having a barbecue and I went in to use the bathroom and I accidentally walked into a door that the door opened and then there was like this wall, but I could tell it was a, a wall that wasn't. It was sort of a temporary wall, and it it moved, you know. So it was almost a partition. And I remember being nosy and I sort of pushed back and I and I see this brilliant light behind it and I could see just all of these plants these beautiful green plants with all these lights and that's basically when I realized that I didn't realize it then but that's basically when I stumbled onto uh, the dad's his little pot farm indoor pot farm I later on asked my mom and she explained it to me and it was just like oh my god you know what are we doing here this this is illegal we're gonna go we're gonna go to jail and my mom explained it to me. And my mom, pretty early on, she was always very liberal about these kind of things. It turned out later on, of course, that she'd smoked pot when she was in college, smoked pot with my dad, the cop. Um, at some point, I guess, maybe a doctor has, has, had suggested uh, suggested because of his P- PTSD and his, his, his anxiety, also because he had had ulcers, that maybe uh, smoking marijuana wasn't such a bad idea. And I remember smelling that same smell early on in my life, not knowing what the fuck it was. And I checked in with my mom, and sure enough, she said, yeah, we used to smoke pot, my, my, your dad and I. Um, so it was all kind of mind-blowing and, and exciting at the same time. So I didn't say anything about discovering the pot plants because I, I thought, I'm not, you know, mum's the word. There's no reason why, why even reveal that. It, it doesn't matter. But I was curious. And then one day, my, my buddy Jackie, Jackie used to come over. He'd, he'd come over and pick me up, and we'd go ride bikes, and we'd go walk to, there was a little drive-in uh, restaurant across the street, and we'd go get food. Um, sometimes we'd just go up, there's a park not too far from, from where we lived. And one day, he, uh, he said, hey, man, come with me. Now, keep in mind, Jackie was one of the coolest motherfuckers I'd ever met. He was, he, like I said, he was, he, he might have been almost a year older than me. I, I want to say he was, a, he was a, a grade ahead of me. I'm not totally sure on that. But he was just a cool kid. He looked cool. He talked cool. You know, he, he, he said man a lot and far out. And he used to, you know, he would say, he'd say fuck openly. And I, I didn't. My mom was not a big, she wasn't a, a tyrant when it came to curse words. But she tried her best to keep us contained when it came to curse words you know i think she just wanted to at least give give it give us a chance to to maybe figure out that we don't need to say fuck or shit every other word which we later on did me my brother and sister but um he was just just naturally cool he had blonde golden blonde hair down to his shoulders a good-looking guy. Girls loved him. I mean, the girls really did. And and I was an awkward kid. Um, I don't remember feeling like girls... Um, I had started to have an interest in girls, but I had no idea what that meant. You know, I didn't understand what, what would happen down the road. You know, I didn't understand, you know, when I get old enough to date, uh, let alone have sex with girls. Um... For me, it was just exciting just to have anybody pay attention to me, uh, you know, anybody from, you know, the female persuasion. Jackie just instantly got that. It was just, he was just charismatic, and, 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 and even adults seemed to respect him and talked like him, to him like he, like he wasn't a kid, unlike me. Um, 
but so so like I said, and D- Jackie wore denim. You know, he had a Le- Levi jacket. Uh, you know, he'd he'd wear like he'd wear like a you know a flannel shirt, so just a cool T-shirt, denim jeans, probably flare back then. That style was a little more bell bottomy. Um, the best part of it was is that he wore engineer boots, which was back then was like the coolest thing you could wear. Um, we always lived after my mom, my parents got divorced. My family always lived in apartment complexes, and so. There was always in in low income par- apartments, so it was kind of a melting pot. Everybody of all a ra- you know races, ages, whatever, lived in these buildings and and lived on top and underneath each other and next door to each other, and you kind of always knew what was going on in in in, in your in your neighbors' houses. And there were a lot of bikers, you know. The, the, that culture was very very prominent in in my young years. Um, Bikers became our big brothers. Bikers became our sort of caretakers. You didn't come into our apartment complex or you didn't come down our street and fuck around too much because there were always our bigger brothers who were bikers, guys that worked on Harley Davidson, Davidson's and were greasy and they'd have their cuts on and I'm not sure which motorcycle clubs they belonged to, probably, you know, just sort of side, you know, chapters of, of Hell's Angels or whatnot. But it was it was it was exciting, and there was a sense of well, we don't have to worry too much about people on the outside coming in and fucking with us, and we just we were always around that that element. Anyway, part of that culture at the time were these all the bikers we knew wore boots, motorcycle boots, and they were basically what they called engineer boots. They had a black leather, you know, very thick, the buckle across, and I just thought they were the coolest things. I I I begged my mom to buy me. Uh, motorcycle boots and she she couldn't afford it um i'll tell i hope to remember that so i later on in this story i can i can i can uh, touch on that a little bit so anyway jackie calls me and he says hey let's 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 go back to there was a field there was a walkway behind our little apartment our row of apartments you walk alongside of it and you could actually literally when you were walking behind our apartments you could look over to the right and see the side of Jackie's family's house in their backyard. If you kept walking down this walkway, you'd go into this big field at the time. Now it's all developed and there's houses, housing, you know, tons of houses. And then you'd go down this hill and there was like they were building at that time a gas station. And um, and over the years it's been, I think, a, a different, you know, different comp- different gas stations. They're, it started out as a Chevron. I think now it's a Valero or something. Not that it matters. Um, but Jackie said we had a kind of a hangout over there. We'd go over there and, 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 and throw rocks and, and hang out, sit for hours on rocks and throw shit. And you know, who knows? I think he had BB guns. We'd shoot bottles. Um, and he said, hey, walk with me. So we walked over there. And he was sm- he was always smoking. He he was a kid that had a pack of Marlboro, the red pack of Marlboro. He was always smoking. He'd smoke, take a hit, look like an adult, and then he'd spit. And I always thought that just looked so cool. I, I would mimic him doing that with, you know, when I was away from him. I just thought it looked so badass. I really did look up to him. This is really a funny thing. But he, he asked me, he, so he pulls out a joint and he lights it up and starts smoking. And he offers it to me. He says, you want to hit? And I was like, uh, you know, I, I, I was stunned. I didn't know what to say. I had already considered maybe trying to smoke just because Jackie looked so cool doing it. But he, I knew that this was different. I knew that this wasn't just cigarettes. I knew this, this was something illegal, and it was a drug-related, and I didn't want to become addicted, and I didn't want to get arrested. 
And I said, I, you know, I don't, I've never done it before. And he goes, well, take a hit, man. So, you know, I took a hit, very awkward, coughed it all up, you know, went down my throat the wrong way. Everything was fucked up. So he showed me how to hit it. And I took a hit and he goes, now hold it in, hold it in. And I'm like, I'm trying to hold it in. And I cough it out again. I, I must have taken four or five hits that day. And I eventually sort of got it down. And within minutes I was stoned, but I didn't understand what was about to happen. I didn't understand how uh, adjusted I would become. And I didn't even know I was stoned until Jackie started to sort of laugh at me. Because and, and, he, was, he was already stoned, but he knew that I was stoned and he was kind of cracking up. And then I was kind of scared. I was like freaking out. Because I, 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 you know, the, the few times that, that I would smoke pot throughout my adult life, uh, young adult life, and it, and, it, and it was one of the reasons why I realized it wasn't for me because it just would make me feel paranoid. It would make me feel like I was never going to be feel normal again, whatever that meant. And I, I just hated the idea that I couldn't control the highness. Like if I decided, I don't, okay, I don't want to be high, I couldn't stop it. It would just continue as, it would linger as long as it did. And that's really where it started. But again, I wanted to be cool in Jackie's eyes. I wanted him to like me. I wanted him to, he was a cool kid. He seemed to like me. I wanted him to be my friend for as long as he felt like being my friend. It was a, an important thing. I didn't have a lot of friends. So anyway, this became a thing for a while. And I didn't necessarily like smoking pot with him, but or smoking pot, but I liked hanging out with him. Now, to throw in an extra curve, there was a girl who I had a crush on named Laura, who I just, I, 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 I then thought I was in love with her. She was beautiful, um, uh, Mexican, beautiful girl, dark hair, brown, long hair, dark black blue, uh, brown eyes, beautiful face, sweet girl, funny. Um, she was in, in my class at the time. And I just had the biggest crush on her. And she was always funny to me and always gave me attention. Turned out that she she and Jackie got along fabulously. And it turned out that she had a crush on Jackie. I don't even know whether Jackie cared or not. Who, for all I know, Jackie could have been trying to get in her pants. And I, I, would have, I, would, I was so naive and such a little virgin. I had no idea what that stuff meant or was. I would just look at her and I would beam. And so I remember one day she came over and Jackie... And her and I go over to our little hangout and they start smoking pot like a couple of fucking, ex, you know, experienced, you know, pot smokers. And I was like, by then I was like, yeah, I'll take a hit of that joint. And once again, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, um, bending to whatever peer pressure that was going on mainly because I wanted these two human beings to be, to be, to think that I was cool. And, um, apparently it worked because they, they'd always invite me to hang out. And I just wanted to be, I wanted to hang out with her as well. All right, so we're going to, we, 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 I've given you the, the, the intro to the story. One of the other things that Jackie did that I thought was incredibly cool was uh, he stole things. He was a thief. Um, he, at that point, had already stolen, he was good at stealing bikes. He, he could go over to another neighborhood a couple blocks away and he, he would steal kids' bikes. And um, that was terribly exciting because I, I was, as a poor kid, I couldn't, my mom couldn't afford to buy me a bike. I didn't have a source of income at the time. So knowing that you could just go steal some kid's bike was terribly exciting to me. 
and seeing that Jackie was really good at it and 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 very confident and would would sort of you know I, I remember that explained why they had so many bicycles in the backyard, um, and I would he'd let me borrow one. I could borrow any bikes I wanted, and I learned how to. You know, it was always like stingray, like Schwinn stingrays, you know, like the little, some of them would have this, they call them the sissy bar, the big extended bar in the back. Um, they'd have 10 speeds, but I was too small and too kind of freaked out to ride a 10 speed at the time. And, um, but then I, then I started to realize that Jackie would just go, I remember going into a supermarket. There was a supermarket across the way from where we all lived in our little part of the neighborhood. And we would go over there and, you know, if maybe my mom might give me a dollar and I'd go over and get, you know, a candy bar and a Coke or something. Um, I remember one time being there, I had a dollar and I was going to go buy something, some chips or something. And, and I look over and I see Jackie putting something in his, in his coat, in his shirt, whatever he was wearing. And then he walked by me, he goes, we got to get out of here. I was like, okay. So... I, I'm, I guess I bought whatever I was going to buy and we go and he just takes off running and I, I'm running alongside of him and we go over to our little hangout and he, he had stolen some beef jerky and I don't even remember um, something and and I said did you steal that? and he goes yeah, yeah, you can't say anything don't tell anybody and I was like yeah, no no problem you know the worst thing you could be back then was a, a little snitch like nobody I, I learned that and I still carry it with me today like you do not tell just never tell anybody anything and um, but I was so fucking curious about it and I asked him I said how do you do that you know what, aren't you afraid you're gonna get caught and he was like you know no nah, fuck it you know you just 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 be just be smooth you know be cool about it so over time I would watch him do this a few times and I decided that I wanted to steal I said you know fuck it I don't have any money I'm too young to get a job getting a paper route wasn't an option mowing lawns I don't know I did that at various times when I was you know a year before but I wanted to kind of be like a little rug rat I wanted to be a, a little roughneck so I wanted to be a tough guy I wanted to be a criminal I guess maybe because my friend Jackie was he was he he seemed to and his, and some of his older brothers did the same thing. I found out later on that they stole shit and uh, they they did cool shit. You know, they had guns and they shot at stuff. You know, they were just everything was was just so different from how I had grown grown up up until that point. And I just wanted more of it because it just it 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 made me happy for whatever reason. So I remember deciding to go off on my own one day, and I said, I'm going to go. There's a pharmacy, a little drugstore that my mom used to go to get prescriptions filled, and, and they had, you know, it was mostly just like a, a little, little, you know, they had greeting cards, and they had candy, and maybe they had magazines. I don't remember what they had. It was a drugstore. But the deal was is you'd walk in the front door. There's a big counter beyond the counter was where the pharmacist would f fill out the orders, the drug orders and in right in front of the counter there was just like these racks of candies and gum and stuff and I think magazines too and I'd gone there enough to know enough about the setup so I decided I was going to go in there uh, in one afternoon I got out of school and I went over there and I, I probably pondered it and I probably pondered it for two days, three days before I finally did it but I go in and I don't recall there being a little dinger at the door or anything that, that, that alerted the, the the clerk. So I just go in and nobody comes up at all. I can tell that there's somebody behind the counter working. 
and I go up and I look at I see the rack the row of candy and I decide I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking steal a candy bar and I believe I tried to steal I picked up a Uno bar a Uno bar which I don't know if I think they make them still it might be one of those candies that you can find at like a you know at a Michael's or Hobby Lobby they you know sometimes they have right before the counter they have these old school candy bars like Baby Roots or 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 uh, sugar what were they sugar pops sugar daddies I don't remember what they're called but Rocky Roads was one of them the the candy that was chocolate with a big like a big lump looked like a turd basically but it was a lump of chocolate with nuts and then there was a you know a cherry Mary maraschino cherry in the middle of it and then they had these Uno bars Uno bars and they were it was like a silver bright silver pack with blue lettering. And I don't know what the fuck it was. It was chocolate covered, but there was like this this creamy. I'm not even sure what the what the what the stuff was inside. It was very. It almost melted in your mouth and almost tasted like buttery something. And I loved them for some reason. So I grabbed the the Uno bar, Uno bar. I think it's Uno bar, Uno bar, Uno bar. Whatever. Who gives a shit? I grab it. Sorry, my nose is a little plugged up. Uh, I grab it and I stick it in my pocket. And I just turned around and walk, start to walk out the door. And I hear, hey. And I was like, mm. I stop in my tracks. Get over here. Like, Fuck. I turn around and there's a guy, the pharmacist I'd seen a million times. He knew my mom, knew where we lived. Did you just steal something? Did you just steal some candy? No, I say. Yeah, you did. You stole a candy bar. And give, I want you to give it back now or I'm going to call the police. I was like, oh my God. It was, it was, it was the worst feeling up in, that I'd had up until then. Maybe besides finding out my parents were getting a divorce. Um, or the time my dad put a gun to my mom's head. I'll talk about that another time. But, so I grabbed the candy and I walked towards him and I throw on the counter and I just ran out the door. Now keep in mind, again, my mom, this was, my mom had gone to the store a number of times he knew he had seen me. He knew who I was, at least knew who my mom was, and I remember fretting for a day, maybe two days, that he was going to call my mom or just come right over with the candy bar and say, "Your son tried to steal this," or the next time we came in, he'd say something. I remember being terrified, and I remember my mom asking me if I wanted to go to the pharmacy with her, and I said, "No, I can't. I can't. Not right now. I can't." And I was just terrified he was going to say something, and he never did. You know, he never did. I guess he just figured I was scared enough, and, and that that put the, the fear in me to not ever steal again. Unfortunately, that wasn't true. Unfortunately, that excited me just enough, even though I didn't get away with it. I got caught that I wanted to do this. And so I talked to Jackie, and he, he gave me a tip. He said, look, if you got a jacket that's like a, a puffy jacket or a furry jacket that's thick, he goes, if there's a lining in it, you can cut it the lining cut an opening in your in your in each side of your your coat and that will be like a pocket and when you're going to steal something you just t- take something that's you know f- you don't want it to be fairly bulky obviously cuz you don't want to be seen but you just walk along and you walk with it down an, an aisle in a supermarket or a 711 or wherever the fuck you're at and you just casually just stick it in your in your coat and you'll keep walking maybe you do that again if you have money you buy something to 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 throw the um, any of the store people off, um, and then once you go, you just you fucking take off. And so I knew that 
He said, well, let me show you. He goes, so I put on this, I had this brown corduroy coat. My mom probably got it at a thrift store at the time. You know, kind of the little furry, fur-lined neck, lapel, whatever the fuck it's called. And it was a bulky coat. Probably stupid to be wearing a coat like that during this time. I recall it being a sunny day. We go over to the farmer's market. And it, it, it's, it wasn't a farmer's market like uh, like the L.A. farmer's market. It was, it was literally a store chain called Farmer's Market. It was like Lucky's or an Albertson's or Safeway. So we go over there, and um, Jackie says, no, what we're going to do is when we get here, we're going we're gonna to split up. So I'm going to go one place. You go the other way, and whatever you decide to steal, just do it quick, and then meet me out in the parking lot, and we'll take, we'll take off. And I was just... My heart was racing, you know, I, I was probably, I, I had cotton mouth, you know, I, I mean, I was just not in, I was probably so fucking obvious to anybody watching, and who knows what security was like back then, I don't know if they had cameras, you know, I don't know if people watched through, you know, windows, I had no idea, I just knew that I wanted to steal something, so... I go to I, I I'm looking at different things. I'm like, well, potato chips would would be cool, but it's going to be too bulky. I was kind of thirsty, and I thought it'd be cool to 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 to, to steal a, a soda. Um, I you know I I didn't know if I wanted candy. I didn't know if I wanted to buy something you know uh, that would last longer. It was just one of those things. So I finally go up to the the area where there's cookies and and pastries and stuff, and I, there's a hostess rack, hostess treats rack and I see a hostess berry pie it wasn't apple it wasn't lemon or chocolate it was, I, th- I want to say it was one of the berry pies probably blueberry or blackberry because I love those <clears throat> and I grabbed the, the blackberry pie and I walk with it and I walk down the aisle with it and when I the, the minute I got just before I turned the corner to to go down another aisle, I just whoop, just stuck it right there in my pocket, my little my new my new cut coat pocket. My heart's racing. I walk around, go down another aisle, pick up something, look like I'm going to buy it, but then I put it back. And as I go down another aisle, I see um, because I knew that Jackie had had eaten. I'm sorry, had stolen beef jerky. I thought, well, that's pretty thin you can just I can just get a bag of beef jerky it's pretty pretty skinny I grabbed one and did the same thing and um went to wherever the soda pop was whatever and I grabbed a a a Pepsi Diet Pepsi no no it wasn't Diet Pepsi that's what I drink now um that's back when the Pepsi but the Pepsis were the long I think there were 16 ounces they were like long Pepsis glass bottles you had to use an opener to open up the you know the cap and they tasted really good I remember that but anyway I grabbed one and and I had a dollar to my name and I went up to the counter and paid for the soda and thank you very much come back come back again went out the door and just ran like hell because I saw Jackie way up at the end of the parking lot and so I ran up to him and he was like stop running stop running <laughs> I'd seen him run the you know the couple times he'd stolen so I thought I, I, you're supposed to run right so I'm trying to be cool and I'm I'm, I'm just I'm walking quickly and I've, I can feel this you know the beef jerky and the, the the berry pie in my fucking Steelers pocket and so we got to the end of it nobody's following us 
across the busy street, go up to the apartments, go down, go over to where we used to hang out. And I'm so thrilled. I'm so excited and proud to be able to show Jackie that I stole something and I, I got away with it. And I pull out a pie and he was like, yeah, shit, look what I got. And he, he had, he'd stolen a fucking bunch of stuff and, and had stolen two cans of beer. I'm, I'll never forget that. They were Coors, Coors, little cans of Coors. And he goes, he goes, you want to share? I'll give you a beer if you, if you share what you got. And I was like, yeah, sure. Keep in mind, I, I, I may have tasted beer. I may, may have taken a sip of my mom's beer, my dad's, who knows? I, you know, I, I, I definitely tried it when I was a kid. But again, I had this friend, this cool guy who was encouraging me to do all the wrong things. And so we're celebrating our, our, our being buddies and thieving and beer drinking. He's smoking cigarettes and he probably, he probably lit up another joint and I, I took a hit from it. And, you know, I'm enjoying my fucking berry pie and we're sharing this beef jerky and we're just like, I mean, I was just in seventh heaven, you know, I, I had, I had found something that I liked to do. I was more excited to, to do it again, you know, and he, and he, and he, he would school me. He'd say, you don't want to do it too much at the same store. You want to kind of go to different places and, and, uh, and, and, you know, don't get, don't get recognized. Don't let them, you know, get, get familiarized. He was basically saying. And so turned out that he, he had gone to, there was a, a little shopping center, maybe a half mile up, up the main street that we lived off of. And he would go in there and, and steal. He, there was a, there was a um, you know, a department store that he would go in and, and just steal all kinds of shit. And once he knew that I was uh, a little thief, it was almost like he could trust me. And so he started to tell me these little secrets. And then he told his brothers and his brothers were, you know, they would say, oh man, yeah, man, you know, we stole this and that. And they were into, they were into breaking into houses and cars and you know, there was definitely a criminal element in this family, but you know, and I think it started with the dad, by the way. And I have another story that I'll I'll talk about involving him down the road. It was pretty hardcore, actually. But um, so I just remember spending, you know, that summer I think just stealing. And uh, before school had ended, I remember I'd I'd stockpile, I'd I'd steal stuff at stores, and then I'd have this the stuff that I could take with me that I that nobody knew about. So I could just go to school and I'd have little snacks, you know, in my pocket and I'd stuff it in my desk. And like I said, I, we were poor kids. So we were always on like, you know, we were always like, it was all about the school lunch program, free lunch program. So, you know, you just got that for the day and you, you know, maybe you're, if you're lucky, you'd have toast before I'd leave home, some cereal or whatever, but then I'd be, I'd be hungry all day until lunch. And, um, so to have like a little extra something was always really cool. But um, yeah, that was that was a crazy thing. So, f- so from that point on for a good, you know, I'm 10, 11, 12, 13. So I was probably, I was probably, I think I stopped... And I'll tell you how I why I stopped in a second here, but I believe I stopped at of uh, stealing shit. Um, I'm looking at my notes here. Uh, we lived, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, I I stopped. I I I must have been a little thief for a good five years. Solidly, I got really good at it. Um, I learned how to steal bikes from people's yards. 
and I learned how to fucking rebuild bikes and put different parts on bikes so that they look different, you know, differently. So if anyone came looking or if I was riding around on a, on a fucking stolen bike and somebody was driving by and they saw that it was their kid's bike, you know, they, they wouldn't, they'd go, oh, well, it's got green this and it's supposed to be red or whatever. Um, and then I had started to really get into music. I'd started to get into rock and roll music and hard rock music. And I was really wanting to start getting records. But again, you know, I'd had a couple little odd jobs. It was always like selling newspapers, selling or mowing lawns or doing odd jobs, but never enough really to be able to go to a record store and, and buy records, you know. Uh, and because I knew Jackie had, he had told me that he had stolen records before. And that was a little harder because a record album obviously is wider and it's more awkward to try and stash on your body. Jackie was really brave. He literally, he literally would go into a record store and or a place that sold records and he would just grab five albums, stick them under his arm and just walk the fuck out. He, 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 was, fearless when it, he was fearless when it came to everything. He could fight. He was really big. Uh, he would fight bigger kids, beat them up. Um, he was, he had moves with girls. He eventually started to date the girl of my dreams, Laura, who, um, was still my friend, but she just didn't look at me the way that she looked at Jackie. I can't blame her. You know, he had a, he had a lot more going on than I did at the time. Maybe he still does. But, um, we kind of moved, we kind of moved from, well, we didn't kind of, we moved out of that apartment and we moved into another bunch of apartments and that was really kind of where I started to, um, I started to get it, more of the criminal element became available to me. Every, everybody, all the kids were stealing and doing drugs and some kids were selling drugs. Um, I, I had friends that would, would take, they'd go and get, you know, the, back then, I don't know if they still exist, but you get a little bottle of like these tiny little circular pills they were sack they were it was saccharin tablets it was like you'd put them i guess in coffee um a sweetener artificial sweetener but they looked like what i remember some 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 kid gave me what were called beans it was it was amphetamine it was speed they they were they were uppers um and they called them speed they called them um, beans for some reason bennies i i guess they were called prior to that and i remember a friend of mine in school um probably sixth grade said you you know you should take one of these man you'll feel good you'll feel up uh, really alive all day long and you'll be great and I was like oh okay and I he gave it to me and I was stressed out about it and I finally took it at school and lo and behold I was wired to the gills for hours or what seemed like hours and I thought it was the greatest thing ever but then when on the come down you know it's just devastating you're just like fucking depressed and you you know you, you have no energy and so I didn't like it, but I found out a friend of mine was selling what were supposedly beans, these speedy pills, but they were really just these little saccharin tablets that looked similar, and, and they had a little cross top cut into it, like a little indentation of a cross, and he would take his pocket knife, and he would just create these little crosses and put them in a little, I don't know, a little zip bag or maybe a foil or whatever and he'd sell them to kids at school i don't know what he sold them for and kids didn't know kids weren't fucking up on drugs they just thought they were and they probably actually did feel like they got wired and so i was learning all of these this 
stuff, these little activities that were not legit, not cool, not kosher, not legal. Because we were kids, we didn't care that much. We weren't terribly worried that we were going to go to prison or anything like that. Um, And I had a mom who she cared, but she was so busy trying to just raise us. She was so working and trying to figure out how to keep food, you know, in the house and a roof over our heads that the last thing she really could worry about was what we were doing when we were outside playing or outside doing whatever. I do remember that I, there were times when we were, she was really struggling, struggling. We'd be waiting for our, like a food stamps or welfare check and we would, we would just not be doing well. And I remember um, I would steal food at stores. I would, I'd steal a, you know, a pack of lunch meat, you know, uh, bologna and cheese. Um, I was I was good at stealing bigger things. I could steal bread. I'd just walk right out and nobody would say anything. Steal mayonnaise, mustard, you know, just um, whatever I could grab and, and, and get. And I remember I would just bring it home and I wouldn't say anything. I would just put it in the refrigerator. She had to know, you know, um, I mean, she knew, she knew, she knew that she wasn't bringing it in. And so she knew I didn't have any money. Nobody else did. So, uh, but I got really good at it. One of the things I, when I, one of the things I got good at was ripping off ice cream trucks. We lived on a street called Cyanar Drive. It was like a big, long street, suburban neighborhood. It was, it was even back in the seventies was considered like the sketchy part of the, the little, community that we lived in it was a sacramento suburb and sayonara was just this long street with these rows of fourplexes on each side it painted just garish colors like the funky pastels yellows and pinks and just ugly god-awful places and dingy the the roads had holes in them you know there there was just it was just not good every the poorest people in the in that part of town lived in on in th- these apartments on on Sayonara Drive Sayonara these apartments have, have been uh, notorious for years you know later on in the 80s and 90s they become like in the county i live in Sacramento County it was one of the worst parts in terms of gang violence and prostitution and drugs it was one of the worst streets known and um they finally i think they ended up raising a bunch of the buildings and put a cop substation on that street just to kind of take care of some of the crazy shit that was going on uh and and again uh going back to going back to the family the dad of the family of 10 um kind of unconnect disconnected from the life that we knew we had with them when we were living next door to them i witnessed something that was crazy one one morning going to school and I'll, I'll talk about that because it was kind of a it was one of one of the scariest things I'd ever seen um, it was on that street but anyway the ice cream ice cream truck would come down our street and everybody everybody would hear the songs and I had a, this a, a buddy named Mike who would go in with his little quarter whatever he had a dollar and he'd keep the ice cream lady busy and I'd go around to the other side for whatever reason they had an open door and I would steal whatever I could give, get and they they I couldn't get into the ice cream part but what they did is they'd have these cases of Shasta Cola because they'd sell them but you know the singles and I'd go over and literally grab a case and just run with a case over to um, wherever I was going to stash it and then I would I would either bring it inside to our house and stash it or I would sell cans of soda to kids for a quarter 
So I, was, I had my own little side business. And I kept doing that until finally one day, I grabbed one and I ran to my house and I could hear outside, I would go inside our house and I'm hiding and I, I could hear outside that the, the, the ice cream woman was knocking on our neighbor's door going, you know, I saw you, I, I saw you, you know, you stole some sodas off my truck. You better give it back right now. She was just going to any apartment on our little fourplex to, to find out. And, and uh, she finally gave up because I never answered our door when she knocked. And that was kind of the end of me stealing from the ice cream cup. But to end this, I got really good at stealing records. Um, there was a shopping center um, about a mile from where we lived on Sayonara Drive. Big shopping center, big indoor shopping center. It was very modern. They had department stores. You know, they had a Weinstocks and a Macy's, I think, or a Penny's, whatever. Uh, Liberty House. They had restaurants. They had clothing stores, shoe stores, everything, right? And, and you walk along. It was air-conditioned. You could you could go there and spend a whole day doing nothing, literally. We would do that. On a hot summer day, we'd, we'd go there. Sometimes we'd hitchhike there by ourselves, which is a whole other cr- fucking crazy thing. And we'd thumb it and go up to the uh, Sunrise Mall, and we would just hang out all day. And uh, we, we'd eat sample. There was a little store called Swiss Colony, I think it was called. And they sell, they, th- their specialty was selling like uh, meats and cheeses from all over the world and snacks and stuff. They would put up these samples all day long, just these plates of like cheese and bits of salami. And we'd just walk by all day long and grab like handfuls of it and scarf on that and go up. You know, we, we were, we'd steal wherever we could steal in that, within that shopping center. But I had this system to where I would go uh, oftentimes with, with my coat with with the slit and eight track tapes were the big thing that back then eight track tapes for those that you don't know they'd have eight track tape players and they would just be these cartridge cartridges about this big i guess about this then and you stick in the eight track player and you know they'd have the eight track of led zeppelin two and you know, there'd be two tracks. I it was I don't know the configuration. I don't know how they why it was called an eight track tape. By the way, I should know that. But um, they they'd have two songs, and then we'd go to the next track, and there'd be two songs or two songs, and then they'd do that. And sometimes it would literally, the it would the the it would. I can't even explain this. The track would change during in the middle of a song, so it was just a sh- shitty technology. But we had an eight track player at my house. My mom had an eight track player in her car. So eight tracks became a thing. So eight tracks were pretty easy to steal um, because they were thin, and you could just they even when they'd start to put them in these like packaging, they, the packaging was kind of long. I think that was the way they got they kept from stealing. Before they went to that system, you'd just grab an eight track tape, and you literally you could put down your pants, you could put it in your pocket of your pants, and I would go and grab like four eight track tapes of whatever fucking band, whatever record I wanted, a Rolling Stones record or. Zeppelin or fucking you know whatever band I was into at the time and I'd just stick them in my pocket I did get into stealing album albums vinyl too for a while and my my system with that was really crazy I would go in particularly so all of these department stores would have a stereo section they'd have where they'd sell stereos and TVs and you know record players and radios and stuff and more most of the time they'd have in a section two or three rows of, of vinyl uh, record vinyl, you know, and they'd have they'd have a good selection. Deep Purple was one of my bands at that point, so I was always stealing Deep Purple shit. And um, I'd go over and I'd 
be looking like, uh, you know, I mean, come on. The, the, the clerks knew I was just this kid that had no money, but I would, I would try to, I thought I was sly and I thought I was a good actor. So I would go over and start looking through albums and I'd grab one and I'd walk along with it. And then I'd wait for the, 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 the salesperson or the clerk or whatever to get busy. And then I'd walk over to another department at, at the Liberty House, which was, a, a, I guess, a big department store chain back then. It was very intricate. They, the record stores and the stereo, uh, the record department, their st- stereo department was like right here. And then right next door, there would be fr- the furniture department. And what they would do is in order to sell furniture, you know, they'd have the living room set up so that you'd see the couches and chairs and the TV stand. Uh, and then they'd, they'd have walls, fake walls, and then there'd be the, the kitchen and they'd have ovens and whatever, refrigerators. And then they'd have the bedrooms. You could go into these little fake partitions. They, they had paintings on the walls and whatever. And you could you could literally just get lost in them. I mean, I remember thinking, trying to figure out ways where I could like go there late at night, hide under a bed, wait for the whole place to close and then go steal shit. And then when they opened up the next day, I could run out. I never happened. I, I couldn't figure out how to do that because they closed. All the sh- shops had big f- gates that came down. But... um. I remember grabbing records. I'd grab a record and I'd go over to the, the where they had the furniture and I'd just stuff stuff under the mattress, you know. And then I'd go get another record and put it under the, you know, in, uh, you know, next to a, a fucking desk or underneath the desk. So they were always stashed in different places. And then later on, I'd just come back around. Uh, I'd go do something else, go to another store, go hang out with my friends, and I'd come back around, and I'd stick the stuff under my arm, and I'd just walk right out. It was a little easier back then because I think security, as opposed to now, was so so different. You didn't have cameras everywhere, and, I mean, it was just much easier to steal shit, um, or so I thought. To end this story, the only reason I stopped stealing was because I got caught, um, and I didn't actually get caught. A friend of mine, Bruce, was, um, he had just turned 18, so he was an adult. I was 14. Is that right? I was 14. He was 18. He was just my buddy. He was a buddy, friend of the families. His sister hung out with us a lot of the times. He and I would go to, the, we, we'd go steal all, we, we were always hitchhiking everywhere. Going, to, you know, we'd go up to different parts of the city. You know, instead of just getting on a bus for 25 cents, we'd just go hitchhike. He, Bruce was definitely into into things. He, You know, he was into drugs. He was into stealing. He was into girls. He was just an, another extension of the kind of guy that I was hanging out with. A little older, a little more influential, had more charisma, and just would just make, in my mind, they are like the coolest motherfuckers on, on the planet. He loved to steal, and we were always going to places and stealing one night, we, we decided to go to, across the street from the Sunrise Shopping Center, Sunrise Mall, where, where I was just ta- speaking of, there was another outdoor, more of an outdoor mall, and there was a Montgomery Ward uh, there. Montgomery Ward, again, for those who don't know, was just a department store that had everything, you know, garden department, toys department, clothing, records, they have a cafeteria inside. I worked in a Montgomery Ward when I was like 17 in Reno later in years, but... Um, we went there, and I went there with a sole purpose. I had one thing I wanted to do. My, I think it was Mother's Day was coming up, or maybe it was my mom's birthday or Christmas. I don't know. I don't know the time frame. I wanted to get my mom a gift, but I didn't have enough money, so I was going to steal 
all I wanted to do was steal one thing, an eight-track tape of a Moody Blues album. And I don't remember which one. It's not important. I knew if I got it, chances were that she'd be so happy that she had it that she wouldn't question where I got it. I was hoping. I was counting on that. So we go into the Montgomery Ward. I go right to where I want to go. We we split up. Bruce went and did his thing somewhere else. In the, I don't even know if he stole a record. I don't remember. But I go and get a... Um, I find the Moody Blue eight, Moody Blues 8-track tape. I quickly figure out where I'm going to put it. I stash it. I'm walking around, looking, pretending like I'm looking at other things, and I just, just kind of casually sauntered out the door. And As I'm walking to the parking lot, I, I, the idea was that I'd meet Bruce outside of the parking lot. There was a bus stop, and I'd meet Bruce there, and we'd just take the bus to, back to my mom's place where I was living. I'm walking. I don't see. I can't see. I can't see Bruce in the distance. But I hear footsteps running towards me, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" And I just remember turning around and seeing these two guys running at me. Okay, get back here! And then I turn back around to run like hell, and there's somebody in front of me, and they grab me, and I'm I'm caught. They get a hold of me. They said, "Come with us. We know you stole something." And I was like. I didn't steal anything. What are you talking about? And I, the eight track was down my pants, so they were going to have to search me. And maybe I thought that they they were never going to do that. So I was being pretty, you know, no way, no, I, you didn't see me do anything. Well, it turned out. So they they walk me to the security room or whatever, and I look and I see Bruce in another room, bawling like a big baby. He's just crying. And and I'm like, what did they do? Did they beat him up? Like, what what the fuck happened? Well, it turns out that he got caught stealing something else. They brought him into the room. For whatever, he panicked and knocked me out. He snitched on me. He said, my friend stole something, um, too. I, I don't know if it was maybe because he was 18 and... He just didn't want to, he thought, like, I don't want to go to jail alone. He would go to jail. He would. He he was going to get arrested and go to jail. If I got caught, I was just going to go to juvenile hall and probably not even that, get a slap on my wrist and sent home. They called my mom, which is what they did. So he panicked and he snitched on me. And so they ran out, grabbed me, frisked me, got the eight-track tape out of my pants, and I was, I was caught. And they told me. They said, your friend snitched on you, you know. So they were already playing head games and I was pissed and I was scared and whatever. So I just said, look, you know, I'm so, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I try to make up some story. You know, I'm, I'm poor. I was just trying to get a, mom, a gift from my mom. And they're like, well, that doesn't warrant stealing and we're going to have to call your mom. So they did. They called my mom. 30 minutes, 40 minutes later, my mom comes down and shows up. I, they took Bruce away. Bruce went to jail. He he spent the night in jail and probably terrified and probably snitched more about other things we'd stolen. My mom comes in and and um, they said, "Well, you know, your son stole uh, a, a tape." And my mom just looked down and then she just looked at me and just glared at me and said, "When I get you home." you I'm gonna you I'm gonna let you have it you know better than this this is you don't steal you know I want you to apologize to these gentlemen right now you what what were you thinking 
you know, I, you were going to get it when I get you home. And, you know, I was like, whoa. Now, my mom was never a disciplinarian. My mom didn't hit us. My mom did not, <laughs> did not. She was a great mom for a lot of reasons, but she was not great at uh, presenting consequences and responsibility. She just wasn't good at that. She didn't teach us that for whatever reason. She may have tried, but I, we didn't pay attention. So the, the, the security guys felt like, well, cool, he's going to get his ass beat. Sending him to juvenile hall for, for the night is not really going to do much for him. Fuck it. We'll turn him over. So they let me go. They let me go with my mom, and we left, and my mom was quiet going out the door. And then we got into the car, and she said, an eight, you're stealing an eight-track tape? Like, really? And that, and that was it. That was it. She wasn't mad. She was never going to hit me. She was never going to, you know, put me on restriction or make me do... Uh, you know, dishes or whatever. And um, I remember on the ride home, I was just embarrassed. I was just terribly humiliated. And and I was also pissed because I didn't get caught. I would have been fine. I would have got out of there. I would have had the E-Track tape of the Moody Blues. I would have been able to give it to my mom for Mother's Day or birthday, whatever the fuck it was. She probably would have just thought, where the hell did my kid get this? Where did he get the money for this? But she wouldn't have said anything because she, she loved the Moody Blues. And I was just kind of more pissed that my friend knocked me out. You know, this is my buddy. This is my, my good friend, you know, and I didn't know how I felt. I don't know that I ever really confronted him because I think I must have just felt sorry for him. And I thought, well, he must have had a reason. It was a pretty shitty thing to do when, when you think about it. But also as an adult, I could see maybe he was, he was just, he panicked and I just gave him a pass. And I don't know that we stayed friends for much longer than that. Nonetheless, that was my last, that was the last time I stole anything. Uh, that I can remember. Um, my, my criminal days, my theming days were over. I was, t- was ready to move on and, 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 and get more into music and, and save up money and buy records. You know, I, I had a good amount of records. Though. I really did. In 8-tracks, I, was, I, was, I really managed to start my collection of, of music, which was kind of cool. So um, did I regret it? <clears throat> I was, I'm not proud of it, for sure. But it was... Um, it was fun while it lasted, and it, um, it, it did teach me a bit of a lesson. It taught me that you can't always trust your friends, and uh, it's probably better to just be honest and get a, get a job somewhere and find a way to make a living, and, and just then you can go buy your records or, or, or just go without. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that story. Uh, it's uh, longer than I wanted it to, as always, but there you go. Um, I was a thief. I was a teenage thief. And uh, I am now uh, recovered, and I don't steal anything. Anything. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much for watching and listening. I appreciate it dearly. And um, if you feel like dropping me a note, if you're not, if we're not connected on the internets in terms of being uh, on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, uh, you can always email me. I'm not giving you my phone number. Um, you can email me at paytostrom at gmail.com. Paytostrom, P-A-Y-T-O-S-T-R-U-M, like pay to come, but paytostrom at gmail.com. And you can just let me know what you thought of the episode. Um, for those of you that ask me uh, if there's a way to donate, you can always uh, PayPal me at rivingloomarts at gmail.com. Um, or you can... Um, you can uh, I've got a, the Venmo uh, at Kevin Seconds. 
Uh, I have the Cash App too, but I think it's at Kevin Seconds. But it's not necessary. I do appreciate those those of you folks that have uh, donated and contributed money to the cause, man. It does help. It's nice. And, uh, and I put it right back into all of this stuff. So thank you so much for everything. Much love to you, and I hope you're doing well. And, and until the next episode, we'll talk to you later. All right. Find